Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Lillian Rafson, who is the founder and CEO of Pack Up and Go. Pack Up and Go is a travel agency that plans getaways around the United States. The catch? Your destination is a surprise until the day you depart. And this is such a fun company. Lillian has bootstrapped this to doing more than 10,000 trips. Yes, she's planned more than 10,000 trips, her and her team, for people all around the United States. And in this episode, we go through how she started this, her first traveler she booked a trip for, even going through that first year and how that went, how she's navigating COVID in this situation, and everything more on this episode around growing this business. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And of course, the weekly grind, my weekly newsletter with tips, tools, and strategies for growing a business can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Lillian Rafson, the founder and CEO at Pack Up and Go. Lillian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, great to have you on. And with Pack Up and Go, it's such a genius concept. And looking around more about this, it's like, okay, this is such a fun, a fun thing. How did this company get started in the first place, Lillian? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words. I like to think it's a really fun idea. (laughs) Of course, I'm biased. Um, So we are a surprise travel agency. And and I started the company in 2016. We launched in January of 2016. And it was a, a pretty random journey for me. I had never worked in the travel industry before. I had no experience as a travel agent. Um, but I, I had been working in New York after I graduated from college, was working at a startup in sales, loved the company, loved my team, but I wasn't super passionate about what I was doing. And I decided that I just needed a change. So I, I quit that job with no set plans for the future and decided to take a couple of months to travel. Because for me, you know, I studied abroad in college and I've been very fortunate throughout my life to travel a lot. And I felt like every time I went on a vacation or went on a trip, I I just came back so much more refreshed and rejuvenated and motivated. So I decided that's what I needed. And so I I decided to take a three-month unplanned journey uh, around <laughs> Eastern Yeah, it was pretty random. And I did most of it by myself, um, which was super fun and and really exhilarating and really freeing. And I found myself in Riga, Latvia, which was a city I knew literally nothing about. I hadn't even heard about it a couple of weeks ago. And I I showed up and I loved it. And I couldn't believe that it was the city that that has existed for a really long time that I'd never heard of and totally fell in love with. And I was in the the lobby of my hostel where I was staying and talking to people and asking, how did you end up here? This is such an awesome city. I wish I had, you know, planned to come <laughs> earlier. And there were two women um, who were there on a surprise vacation. And I had never heard of the concept. And they used a European surprise travel agency to plan their trip. And it sort of, it was a light bulb moment all at once. It hit me that that was the most fun and exciting idea I had ever heard. <laughs> it also dawned on me that, you know, I've made it all the way to Riga, Latvia, but I had never been to Denver, Colorado. And I started to think about how I thought about travel and, and how I chose destinations and started to think about, you know, I never considered American cities to be vacation destinations for whatever reason. And, and so it just sort of came together and I did a quick Google search and I realized that it did not exist in the United States yet. And I emailed my parents from that lobby later that day. And I said, (laughs) I'm going to move home and start a surprise travel agency for vacations around the United States. (laughs) That is amazing. Um, what, What was the reception from them? Just curious. My mom asked where Riga Latvia was. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> They're really supportive. I actually, both of my parents own their own businesses. Um, and so I always grew up around that and it was not a foreign idea to me. And actually that same summer, my sister decided to also move back to our hometown of Pittsburgh to start her own business as well. So it was just, it, it felt like an easy decision. And I was 22 at that time. I was 23 when I launched the company. 
And so it just felt like the stakes were really low. And I, I think my whole family just thought, you know, you'll give it a try and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. And if it doesn't, then you can go get another job and at least you'll have this cool experience. I just have to say that is such a, a a refreshing thing to hear when it's like, oh yeah, like as I always tell people, you can try it and if it doesn't work, you can get a job. But the job's always kind of on the back burner in theory, like you could. I think entrepreneurs just understand that a bit more, people who are entrepreneur minded or have started things mm-hmm. uh, versus people who are not. So anyone starting a company now and kind of has some pushback, understand that you can use this this same kind of thinking to to do it and kind of justify it. But That's with true. that too, then like in, you say you want to start this business and then what are some of those first things you did then to turn this into an actual company? That was the best part of the timing of all of this. I I did not start this three month trip with the anticipate with anticipating coming back and starting my own business. My plan had been to go on this trip, come back, and then apply for jobs. So I didn't. I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs are actively looking for ideas and thinking and brainstorming all the time, and that's not what I was doing. This just sort of happened to to come into my life and I ran with it. Um, But I still had about six weeks left on that solo trip from the day that I decided I was starting this company until the day I was supposed to fly home. And it was perfect because I was with my target audience. I was traveling around, staying in hostels with young travelers who had (laughs) a sense of adventure. And and I had nothing to do except for, for you know, ask people questions. So I had a notebook with me and I would just talk to a lot of people who I met on, on my journeys and say, you know, if you were signing up for a surprise, what would you want to be included? What questions would you want to be asked on a survey? What information would you need? And a lot of the travelers who I met were international. And I I think this is a generalization, but I think that a lot of Europeans and Australians, um, have a little bit more of a sense of adventure. And I know that in this, <laughs> what is it? 10, only 10% of Americans have passports. And so I, I know that as an American, I think that maybe we're, we're a little bit more sheltered in terms of travel. I need a little bit more handholding. So then I started thinking about what would I want? What would my friends want? What would my family want? What would we expect? What is the caliber of service that we would require if we were to pay for this type of service? And I just started brainstorming from there. It was so much fun. With that too, then asking people like how, I mean, how much feedback did you get? How many people did you talk to? And I'm not looking for an exact number, but just ballparking and like what that was like. So I mean, I'm curious because definitely for people starting companies and want to, you know, some people want to start something and just start building it, but you did a lot of research. I'm curious on how much you kind of were doing on that side of things. I would say that it was very loose research. I was not conducting formal surveys. It was more through informal conversations. You know, as I am going on a hike with people who I just met in my hospital, <laughs> or, you know, we're out at a bar crawl and I'm, I'm you know, making conversation, thinking about this. Um, but I was also calling back. I was uh, FaceTiming and Skyping with some of my mentors back at home and talking to friends about it as well. So I would say, you know, I probably talked to to 50 people or so, but the real research happened when. I came home from that trip and I was, you know, I moved out of my apartment in New York. I was living with my parents here in Pittsburgh and I realized I needed to plan a couple of practice trips. I just needed to test it out a couple of times and see how it worked logistically because I'd planned my own trips plenty of times, but I've never actually booked travel for someone else and I have no experience as a travel agent. So I had no idea how that worked. And I convinced my best friend and her boyfriend to let me plan a trip for them. And, um, and I thought, you know, this is a good starting point because I know them really well. I can imagine what they might like. I know what their expectations are. And so I planned a trip for them and they loved it. They had a great time and they said, you know, you got it exactly right. Here's some things I would do differently. This is what we loved about it. Um, and it was really good feedback. So then I convinced my family to, to let me plan a trip for over the holidays. So I planned one practice trip for my best friend, one trip for my family. And then I met somebody here in Pittsburgh who became an acquaintance and he let me plan a trip for him as well. So I really just planned three practice trips <laughs> and all three of those went well. So I thought, all right, I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> That's awesome. And from that, then those three trips, what did you see as this, the, the model being as like a service that way, as like a, a platform people could come out? Like, what did you see like, like the business looking like, especially early on? So I started the business um, with no savings. I just spent all my money traveling. I was working at a bar and restaurant at night to, to, to make some money for myself. Um, and 
And I, I realized, you know, I have no idea if this is going to work. So I want to do it as cheaply as possible. And I had just read The Lean Startup and was all on board for that model. So I created a Squarespace account. And, um, and you know, I just went for all the cheapest options or as many free tools as were available. So at first it was, um, and actually for a long time, it was a Squarespace signup page where I had, you know, the different budget options and then just a form that you filled out where I asked for your departure date, um, your recent trips, your upcoming trips, hobbies and interests, dietary restrictions, and then anything else we need to know. And then I would get that information and I would book the flight directly through the airline. And one thing I did learn really early on was that it was, if I wanted to book Airbnbs or vacation rentals, it was going to be really, really hard to do on behalf of someone else, uh, just because you have to communicate with the host and, you know, getting the the key lockbox instructions. There was a lot right. of forth. So I decided really, really early on, we are just going to use hotels and bed and breakfasts. That way we can, you know, maintain cleanliness standards, there's quality control, and the process is just so much more streamlined. With that too, then, so where did it go from those first three kind of tests into, okay, let's get other people, let's get, you know, strangers. I mean, how did it go into that point? So um, I, one of my favorite questions is on, on the podcast, How I Built This, Guy Raz always asks entrepreneurs, what percentage of your, of your success would you say is luck? And what percentage would you say is hard work? Yep. And um, and I, I truly think that so much of the success for Pack Up and Go was due to luck and then followed up with a lot of hard work. So what happened was I planned those three practice trips and I saw that here in Pittsburgh, there was a local pitch competition for women in business. And so I decided, you know, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I've never <laughs> pitched a company before, but why not? Because at this point I had been talking to friends and family and and people who had an interest in my emotional well-being. And I, I realized I need to get some honest feedback from strangers. So I participated in this pitch competition and I won first place. Amazing. And I had never pitched the company before. I was so anxious about it. And that just really gave me the validation that I needed to move forward with it. I thought, okay, if total strangers think this is a fun idea, then it must be worth pursuing more seriously. So after that, I I was given a quick interview on the local NPR station just because I won this little pitch competition just to highlight the company. And um, and I remember being in this interview with total imposter syndrome <laughs> because they're asking me all these questions that I'd only planned three trips at that point. And I had no idea how it was actually going to work when strangers were <laughs> But I did the interview. I posted it on my personal Facebook page just to say, hey, this is this cool interview I just got for this company I'm launching. And um, and then my freshman year roommate from NYU shared that. She was excited for me. And one of her friends was a reporter for Business Insider. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and her friend reached out to me and said, I would love to write a story about this. I think it's such a fun concept. And I said, oh, please, of course. Yes, write, write all you want. This is so exciting. Um, and I remember it was February 8th, 2016. And I was sitting at my desk in a co-working space, just sort of thinking like, all right, what should I do today? What should I work on? I could do some research on, on a new city. I could you know, look into different flight routes. And all of a sudden, I got a notification from Squarespace that an order came in. <laughs> And I was sitting there and my sister worked at this co-working space with me. And I just said, Sarah, I got an order. What do I do? And I, I was so surprised. And, um, and, and she said, well, where did the order come from? And I said, I have no idea. So I quickly added on to the, the Squarespace order form. How did you hear about us? And then a couple minutes later, another order came in and they said, Business Insider. And that was how I learned that the Business Insider article was published. Um, and by the end of that day, we had about 20 orders. Uh, I had a call from Shark Tank, a call from NBC Nightly News, a call from the Travel Channel. And I was just sitting in this co-working space crying. I was so stressed <laughs> out because I had I had to actually do it then. It was It's real. <laughs> yeah, it was real. People had actually given me money to plan their vacations, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> 
That's incredible. And early on, I mean, you said people were getting money. Like, how did you, was there just a flat fee you were charging? Was it like, uh, how was the model in terms of the business itself kind of set up early on? That's a great question. Um, So I, the the pricing for our trips is by person. Um, And so at first I was very optimistic because I had just come back from this trip around Europe where I was, you know, flying on discounted airlines and staying in really cheap accommodations. And so I was coming into it with the mindset of a a serious budget traveler. Um, And so I thought that that pricing might work in the States too. So at first our trip started, I think it was 450 per person for travel and accommodation for a two night stay. And, And, and I realized really quickly that traveling in the U.S. is just more expensive than it is in Europe. And it's harder to do it on a yeah. budget. And also, if we are charging, I decided we're going to charge a 15% service fee to plan the trips. Um, and 15% of those budgets was not very <laughs> So I realized pretty early on I was going to have to change that and, and increase the prices a little bit just to make sure that I could actually reserve people experiences that they would enjoy and want to tell their friends about. Um But I also realized that keeping the prices low at the beginning ended up being a good strategy because even though I wasn't making a lot of money off of those trips, it was a brand new company that did not have a lot of web presence, did not have testimonials. And so I needed a level of trust. And by having those lower price points, it felt less risky for people to sign up. Um, And so I think there was a lot of trust building in those early days. And I also was really, really transparent with our travelers that it was a one-woman show. And I think that with a lot of tech companies and a lot of e-commerce businesses, it's so anonymous. And so from a consumer, you have no idea if this company is five people in a co-working space or 200 people in somewhere. Right. And so I just took the honest route and said, hey, I'm, I'm Lillian. I'm planning your trip. I'll be available for customer service. Here's my cell phone number if anything happens. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> With that first, I mean, can you walk me through like that first kind of random stranger trip and how that went, if you remember that specifically? I do. I do. So I will never forget the the first traveler who signed up, um, I thought was a perfect example of somebody who would benefit from Pack Up and Go. On his pre-trip survey, he was a solo traveler, which I loved. I love traveling solo. So he was traveling by himself from the DC area. And all of his recent trips and his upcoming trips were all to Las Vegas. And he said on his survey, all of my friends constantly want to go to Vegas. And I know that there are so many other cities out there that I would love to explore, but my friends don't want to go to other places and I'm not sure where to start. So can you help me plan this trip? And I thought, oh, perfect. I would love to help you plan this trip. This is great. Um, He actually, he ended up having to cancel his trip because of personal reasons. But the first trips that departed, there were two trips departing on the same day. One trip was a couple from the Wisconsin area, Wisconsin, Chicago area. I'm from Wisconsin. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I was like, how did you hear about me? This is so, you're so far away. (laughs) Um, And they were booked to go to San Francisco. And I remember waking up bright and early that morning with my phone right next to me, so excited to hear how everything goes. And I'm, you know, anxiously refreshing my email to see if I hear from them. And I get a call from them saying, Lillian, we're going to miss our flight. What do we do? And I thought, I don't know what you do. You don't miss your flight. <laughs> show up on time. That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. But there were... It it was a a specific period in time when uh, the Chicago airports were dealing with uh, TSA staffing shortages and, and there were crazy, crazy long lines. And they sent me a picture of the TSA line and it was hours long. And they said, there's no way we're getting through this on time. And that was the first lesson I learned that a lot of things are out of your control in the travel industry. And I said, you know, I'm not sure what to do, but I'll figure it out. I'll call you guys right back. And I called the airline and I, I figured it out and I got them booked on a later flight. And they went on their trip and they were texting me and emailing me throughout the weekend saying how much they loved it. And they got back and they said, we are your new brand advocates. If anybody's on the fence, put them in touch with us. We would love to tell them about our experience. 
And that weekend also, we had one other trip traveling, uh, and it was a solo woman traveling. And I remember she was from Orlando, Florida, and she said she was a teacher. She's a history teacher. And I thought, how fun would it be for her? I think a, a great city for solo travelers and people who love history is Washington, D.C. There are so many museums, so much to do. Uh, you'll never really feel alone. Uh, and so I booked her. And if you go to the Pack Up and Go social media pages, you will see a lot of pictures of travelers holding up their sign that says, you're going to city. You're going to Chicago. Yep. You're going to San Diego. And this traveler was the person who started that all. She got back from her trip and she sent me a picture of her holding up her sign that said, you're going to Washington, D.C., right in front of the Washington Monument. <laughs> and and I thought, perfect. I This is a great traveler photo. I will put that on, on social media. And that has now become a cornerstone of the Pack Up and Go marketing strategy. And that's part of the reason that I think Pack Up and Go is so shareable um, is because travelers love that tactile experience and it is exciting to share with their friends. In doing research, I, I saw that and I was like, this is genius. That's so, it's so perfect to have them share that. And obviously that helps helps more people find out about it and, and have those trips. And one thing too, go, just going back and even just thinking about where we are now with things, how are you deciding on locations for people? And how do you research that? Like, I want to go dive into that process. That's obviously that's what the business is. How do you decide that? That is a great pack up and go secret. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I like to say that we are half matchmakers, half lo logic puzzle solvers. So when we, we have humans planning our trips, we have in-house travel planners um, who actually go through each and every single pre-trip survey to read what our travelers like, what they don't like, what they're interested in on their vacations. So we can first read through those surveys and, and start to match make your interests and your travel history and preferences with a city. So Justin, if you tell me that you love craft beer and the outdoors and, and being really active on your vacations, then I might start to think, okay, great. You might be interested in Asheville, North Carolina, or Denver, Colorado, or Portland, Oregon. Or if you tell us, I love history and live music and cocktail bars, then maybe New Orleans is a good fit for you. So, so we can start to pattern match that way, but then it becomes a logic puzzle. So then, you know, if you are from North Dakota and there are very few flight options, we probably can't get you to Asheville, North Carolina, but maybe we can get you to Denver. So we, we start to, to figure out what is logistically possible with those interests and your hobbies that we think you'll love in a destination. So it's a little bit of both. It's a balance. With that too, then how are you kind of organizing customer feedback and using that to either adjust your trips and can just adjust what you're doing as a company as well? Because I'm, I'm curious about that side of things. Absolutely. So after every single trip, we send a post-trip survey and we're really, really lucky. We have a 50% post-trip survey completion rate, which is pretty high. Um, and it, it's great. And so a lot of travelers give us awesome feedback, a lot of honest feedback. Um, they tell us, you know, this this place on the itinerary was eh, just okay. I don't think you need to recommend it. <laughs> but this new cafe just opened up down the block from the hotel, and I would definitely recommend it to future travelers. So it's almost like our travelers act as spies on the ground for us, which was unintended, but still <laughs> it was a great surprise. Um, and our travelers, especially early on, would say, hey, have you ever sent anybody to Philadelphia? I'm from Philly and I would love to give you recommendations for my hometown. I think this would be such a fun place for people to visit. So we started getting, you know, sort of growing our network of, of travelers and recommendations that way. But it's also really important to get that active, engaged insight into, you know, this hotel I wasn't super impressed with, with their cleanliness. Um, but, you know, here's what I did like. This flight time would have been better. So we get a lot of really honest feedback from those surveys. With that then, so moving forward with, with you say we, so it started as a one-woman show and then it evolved. Like, take me through like today. What's the team today? Uh, traction today? I'm curious on kind of where you stand right now with, with the company. Absolutely. So yes, it was just me when the company started. Um, and then about six months in, I hired my first full-time employee because I realized I started the company because I love planning trips and I love the customer service aspect of it, but I'm not great at, at 
sending newsletters and I am not a social media person. Business <laughs> development isn't my thing. So I hired somebody to help with all of that. And then eventually it got to the point about six months after that where I could not, there weren't enough hours in the day for me to plan all of these trips. So I hired somebody to help me with the trips. And and the company has sort of grown organically that way. And we've only ever hired people when we got to a point where there were not enough hours in the day for us to keep up with demand. So right now, our team is 10 people full-time. We were 13 full-time uh, pre-COVID, but of course, the travel industry is in a a weird situation Ooh. right now, to say the yes. least. In flux. Very much in flux. Very much in flux. So we are we are ten full time right now, um, and the vast majority of our team is on the operation side. So planning getaways, doing traveler support, um, and supporting our our getaways, and then we have two folks on the marketing side. With that too, then how are people finding out about you, or what kind of things are you doing on the growth side to you know have more more people find out about you, you know, use your service? Like, how is that going for the company as well? Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, as I mentioned, we had that business insider story that that first broke, and honestly, ever since then, it has been incredibly fortunate stream of earned media. So shortly after that, I remember Thrillist posted an article about us. And then Vogue talked about us. And later that summer, we did do a special with NBC Nightly News, where they followed a couple on their pack up and go trip. Um, we have worked with uh, with various media from a whole range of news stations to magazines to, to online publications. Uh, but we've also had a lot of mystery shoppers. So I remember a gentleman went on a trip and and returned home and said, by the way, I work for the Wall Street Journal. I would love to write about my experience. Uh, the same <laughs> thing happened with Cosmo and a newspaper in Minneapolis. So that has all been really, really fortunate. We are a bootstrap business, so we have not fundraised at all. Um, and so one thing that I, I realized early on is that partnerships are the best way for us to grow. So if there's a way that we can support Pack Up and Go while also lifting up another brand, that to me, is always the best solution. So a couple summers ago, we did a partnership with Ford Vehicles, where they wanted to send reporters on new models of cars, but they didn't just want to send them on regular trips in in Ford cars like they might normally do. So we partnered with them, and we planned surprise road trips in Ford vehicles. So that was a great promotion. Uh, we've worked with food and beverage brands who, you know, are, are trying to drum up excitement around a new product or a new release, which has been really fun. So those have been great. Um, but Pack Bingo is also, it's just a shareable, fun idea. So yeah. 20% of our new travelers were referred by a past traveler which I'm really proud of. Uh, To me, that's the highest form of praise, even more so than a repeat traveler. The fact that somebody trusted their friend's experience so much and that friend spoke so highly of their experience that it convinced somebody to sign up for a trip. So about 20% of our new business um, are are referred travelers and about 10% are repeat travelers. Yeah, it's such a shareable business to your point. <laughs> I mean, like as soon as I heard out, heard about it, it was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this that makes a ton of sense. People are going to love to do these types of trips, especially when they want to experience something different, and they're okay with not knowing, you know, not having it all figured out what the trip is. And to your point of partnerships as well, I, I'd be interested. I may have to connect you with Samantha Patil from from Well Traveled. She was on the show as well. Uh, they're essentially a members only platform, making it easy to find trusted recommendations for travel. Um, and there's just probably some synergy within that as well. Uh, that maybe you two would, would would hit it off with that. And and one thing too with with the business now as well, like how has your role then evolved within the company as you've grown in the last few years? That's a great question. And that is something that I have sort of struggled with uh, because I started this company because I love planning vacations um, (laughs) for people and I love talking to travelers. So when we started hiring travel planners and it became apparent that there were other things that I needed to work on, it was a bit of an identity crisis for me because I realized, oh, my role on this team is no longer to plan people's trips. And, you know, once our director of operations sort of took over and we, you know, built out new processes and procedures, and I realized I was no longer 
100% confident in the new processes <laughs> that was that emotionally was really hard for me and I, I didn't anticipate feeling that sense of loss um, but it became apparent that there were there were other things that I needed to pursue and to really oversee and there weren't enough hours in the day for me to manage the the team and think about strategy and future development and also to figure out where our travelers should be going on their vacations. Um, but I don't think anybody tells you that when you plan or when you, when you start to grow your team that only, you know, 10 or 15% of your time spent is really doing the thing that is the reason why you started the company. A lot of your day gets sucked up in financial things or, you know, strategy or legal questions or really just overseeing a team. And because I started the company when I was so young, I had no managerial experience so I, I had to learn how to be a manager and I wasn't sure what to do or what that meant because I really didn't have that much work experience ahead of time. So that was a big learning curve for me and it's still something that I, I sort of struggle with, to be honest. I miss planning trips, but, but I will say that now I will let myself plan a trip or two every now and then. If I need to take a break or clear my, clear my mind or just sort of reconnect I will go into the the workflow list and say, I'm planning this getaway and I will plan that trip and then I will go back to whatever <laughs> I'm doing. And it's a nice way for me to just sort of check in and, and remember and reconnect why I started the company and why I love it so much. Yeah. And diving into that point of the, the workflow list you mentioned, like what are some of those components that are involved when when someone you know uses, uses pack up and go? Like what is that itinerary? What do they get? from that then once I start with mm -hmm. you. So um, when our travelers sign up, they are completing this pre-trip survey and, and you pay for your trip ahead of time. We receive your information in that payment. So we then assign it to a travel planner um, and we offer three different types of trips now where you can either fly to your destination, take a road trip, and we launch staycations in response to COVID-19. So um, it is assigned to a travel planner who then reads through that survey they decide on your destination, they book your travel and accommodation, and they curate an itinerary for you. So for each traveler, we are looking for restaurants and activities and things to do uh, in your destination that we think you'll enjoy based on that survey. Right now, there's sort of an added level of complication where we have to make sure that there are no restrictions on travel from your home state to the destination where we want to send you. In the destination, we have to make sure that museums are open and identify which restaurants are just doing takeout. Uh, we will make dinner reservations for you. Um, and if there's room left in your budget, we will book a couple of activities for you as well that we think you'll enjoy. So we then curate all of that on our end. One week before departure, we email the weather forecast for your destination, packing tips, a couple clues, and where to go and when for your departure. And then we have somebody on our team who also hand packs physical envelopes for all of our travelers uh, that we mail out that we encourage you to keep sealed until the day of your trip. So the morning of your getaway, you open it to discover your destination, your itinerary is there, and you're off. So it is a very hands-on, high-touch uh, planning experience. <laughs> yeah, but I imagine that makes it you know so special and so worth it then for people, and what's why they enjoy enjoy the experience clearly throughout the time you've done this. And one thing I want to go back to quickly, you mentioned you were bootstrapped. At, at what point did you go from, you know, you hired someone in six months in, but at what point were you full-time into the business? I was full-time from the beginning. Um, and that was mostly because I had quit my previous job and had nothing else really going on. So I decided if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way. And so I was working at a co-working space and I was, I was there all day. But I think I mentioned earlier, I was also working at a bar. Uh, and yeah. so I would work all day and then I would work all evening and wake up early and do it all again. And I didn't pay myself for a very long time. Uh, Pack Up and Go is lucky in that it's sort of inherently a profitable business because we're never planning vacations for people who haven't already signed up and we have already received their deposit for their trip. So there's right. never when we have basically no overhead. So I realized early on, you know, I could start paying myself, but I'm already invested. I'm already inspired and motivated to make this work. So if I pay myself, I don't become twice as productive. 
But if I hire somebody and pay them, the company does become twice as productive. So I worked at a bar for about a year and a half into the business. And I remember, you know, I was a waitress. I would put in the drink orders. I would run downstairs to check someone in for their flight or I would run over and it would be in my pocket. So I would run into the, the, you know, employee room take a phone call from a traveler and then run back upstairs to deliver the drinks to a table. And sometimes a flight was canceled at three in the morning and I would be up at oh, three wow. in the morning to, to deal with that flight cancellation. And I would be back at my desk bright and early the next morning. And then I would go back to the bar to work at night. And it was, it was exhausting. It was really, really exhausting. And, um, but I knew that I needed the company to have, a little bit of a security blanket financially and to be able to hire someone else. Through that time then mentioning, you know, it was exhausting because you're doing so much work with your own thing and also having uh, working as well. I mean, what kept you going through that time? I would be curious about that as well. At a certain point, you don't really have a choice. Um, we, we had trips to plan. In the first year, I. I estimated and, and projected that maybe I would plan 50 trips. That was my projection because I had no money. I had no marketing experience. You know, I, who knew if this was going to take off? So 50 seemed like a pretty sure. reasonable guess. And in the first year, I planned over 500 trips. Oh, so and these were folks who had paid for their vacations. And there is a drop debt date. They have a date of departure by which the trip needs to be planned and ready to go. So... There was no option. There wasn't there wasn't a way for me to say, you know what, I'm not doing it. I'm just gonna refund everybody. Uh, you're just you get so caught up in the momentum and you just make it happen. And we had, you know, I hired a couple of interns to help out at, at points. And when we were going on NBC Nightly News, I did hire a couple of freelancers to help with trip planning because I anticipated a pretty big bump after that. So it got easier to plan. Um, but I mean, even to this day, a random listicle will come out or some random clickbait website will post about <laughs> huge spikes and we have no idea that those are coming. That's got to be such a logistical <laughs> challenge to deal with in your high touch uh, company that you're running. I mean, yeah, that's that's got to be tricky. You mentioned 500 trips in the first year. That's insane. Like, I mean, at this point now, like how many are you doing now or how many have you done in, in the course of time? Because it's 500 in the first year already. I mean, that's... That's awesome. Yeah, we've planned about 10,000 trips so far, a little over 10,000 trips. <laughs> so wow. for just me felt crazy. And, and in hindsight, I think it is still crazy because at that point we didn't have hotel partnerships. There was not, nothing about it was streamlined. It was very, it was chaotic. Um, so pre-COVID, we were, you know, planning several hundred trips a month, um, and, yeah. and we finally invested in new technology. So we just moved off of Squarespace, you know, earlier this year, honestly, our, our MVP worked astonishingly well for a really long time. Yeah, years. <laughs> we started turning into a, a, I'll say it was a, a great problem to have. Uh, this is a very fortunate problem where we had too many repeat travelers and too many referrals. So hmm. what would happen is if you signed up for your third trip, we would not, we would obviously not want to send you back to a destination where we previously sent you. So we were keeping track of everything in spreadsheets and in, you know, notes on Squarespace orders, but we would, we would have to do a lot of research to see, okay, where did Justin go on his other vacation? So we don't send him back to that same place. Right. But then also if you referred a friend, we wouldn't want your friend to go to a destination that you've been to either. Even if you're in different hotels, even if your itineraries are totally different, we want every traveler to have a unique experience. So logistically, it became really challenging to continue the level of growth that we were experiencing in that old system. So we invested in custom built technology that is very specific to our workflow and our, our really unique use case within the travel industry. Yeah, I just shook my head when you said that because the logistics side of it, I mean, oof, uh, not, you're wanting to do a unique experience for everyone, having an influx of demand throughout the year as different things happen. Uh, and then COVID, yeah. um, that's a lot to handle. With COVID, take me through how that affected the company. It's been tough. It's been really, really tough. And... Um, it's been humbling to say the least, I would say, you know, until now, our biggest 
I say this in quotes, our biggest problem or our biggest quote unquote challenge was keeping up with demand. And it was, you know, right. working through these these challenges of how do we manage this, you know, this referral network? How are we going to deliver on <laughs> um, it was never a matter of how do we meet payroll this month? I've never had that, yeah. that problem before. And I remember when COVID started, the travel industry was talking about it before anyone else. I mean, except for the, the medical industry, obviously. But um, yeah. but it was late February that we started getting emails and calls from travelers saying, I'm nervous about this thing that's happening overseas. And all of our trips are domestic. But they said, what happens if it comes here? What happens to my trip in March? And we said, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Who knows if it'll if it'll come to the States? And, and of course it did. Uh, and when it first got to the States and it was primarily in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest, understandably, we had a lot of travelers who were anxious, is Seattle my destination? I need to know the element of surprise suddenly became a liability and became really, really scary, understandably. So we, it became an all hands on deck operation. Um, everybody, you know, even the, the people on the marketing side, people who are never normally touching customer service, we were on the phones. We were dealing with cancellations. We were on email and we had several hundred trips to cancel. But of course, this time, wow. everyone's calling airlines. Everyone is, is working through this at the same time. So it was really, really hard to maintain the level of customer service that I have always demanded of the company um, and that our, our travelers expect of us and that we want to be able to give. It was exhausting. And then for me as a business owner, you know, this is still the first week in March. So this is two or three weeks before the CARES Act um, and before there was any sort of meaningful support and before lockdowns were happening. So at this point, people are still going to restaurants. People are still going to concerts. Things, life is still going, but the travel industry right. was crumbling. And I, I remember calling the mayor's office, calling my local congressman, calling the governor and saying, what type of support is there for us? Like, we need help. I have a small business. I have 13 employees. What do we do? At the same time, all of my advisors are saying, cut your costs now, trim down your team, cut salaries, get rid of anything non-essential. But nobody knew how big this was going to be. We just knew that it was bad. And I, it, it, was, it was so stressful. And I was dealing with a lot of feelings of personal failure um, because yeah. I had just invested a lot of our retained earnings and a lot of our savings in this technology. And, and we didn't have the same runway that we had six or eight months earlier. And, you know, a lot of my friends who own small businesses and in other industries were still, you know, doing relatively well. And, and I felt like I didn't prepare for this. I didn't, I, I didn't, save enough. I didn't plan enough. I wasn't prepared enough for the worst case scenario for the company. And this is my fault as a founder. Um, and of course, now we know that every industry has been horribly impacted. We know that there's not, nobody could have predicted this. Um, and, and so I've, you know, really been trying to be kind to myself and remember that I was going based on the numbers that I'd been seeing and the growth that we'd seen for four years. And, you know, I, I was making the best decisions that I could at the time, um, but it, it definitely has been hard. It's been really hard. Yeah, and, and Lillian, through that, I mean, this global pandemic—something such an anomaly that you know never happens per se. Through that, what's been helpful, or who has been helpful for you going through such a difficult time? This is so. This is the cheesiest thing I could say, but honestly, my team has been the most helpful resource for me. I am so lucky that I have them because they, you know, when all of this started and we realized nobody wants to go to a mystery destination, nobody's going to get on an airplane. We need to do something. We decided to launch staycations in one day. We got the product up and running. We had new products wow. since the start of the company. We'd always done plane trips or road trips. And in less than one day, we had staycations up on our website. And that type of all hands on deck, we just have to make it work attitude is a reminder of like, oh, this is why I hired everyone on my team. This is why I love my team. 
Um, and so I'm really, really lucky to have that. And, um, and they've been keeping me really motivated and it's, you know, I, I feel responsible for them. I want to make sure this company still exists a year from now because they have worked so hard to get the company to where it is today. It's no longer just my baby. It is the whole team's baby. And so how can we help it continue to grow? So they've been amazing. Our, my advisors have been wonderful and they are folks who have been in the travel industry in post 9-11 economies and and 2008. So they've been really helpful and in helping me remember, this is not a personal failing. This is an unusual circumstance that we just have to deal with, but also our travelers are great. So when all of this started, of course, everybody canceled their trips. We canceled all getaways departing in March, April, and May. And we gave travelers the option, you know, of course, there's a major economic impact here. So we understand if people need to cancel their trips and get a refund. But a lot of our travelers opted to postpone their trips. And a lot of people said, no, 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 no. I still want to go on my vacation with you guys. I'm still excited about this. I just don't want it'll yeah. be. So knowing that our travelers believe in us enough and they are confident that we will be here in the future for their vacation has really, really been reassuring for me. And I know that's all super cheesy, but it's true. It's, it's like some days it just feels like everything in the travel industry is out of your control. And it's, you know, some days there are blizzards that cancel all flights and, you know, things just go wrong on when you're traveling. But knowing that our travelers are, are on board for a surprise at some point in the future is really, really comforting. Yeah, and and as cheesy as it may be, it's it's real. So that's that's what matters. Is is you know how do you actually feel and how do you actually get through that? And one of the other things, you know, to your point of mentioning, there's blizzards, there's a pandemic, there's other things going on. It's like even more so why people would potentially want to youth pack up and go because you're handling that for them. Like you're working through it with them. It's not like they're alone trying to plan this. It's having this this partner, this company, you and your team, like help them out and make this a great experience. And that's in terms of how I'm thinking of this as I'm listening to you talking is like, that's that's the value add. It's like, you know, someone has your back and is helping you through this to make sure you have a good experience. And that's what people would pay for. And we actually, to that point, we had somebody go on a staycation um, a couple of weeks ago and she, she did a little write-up of her experience, which is great. And in it, she said, from this pandemic, my tiredness is tired. I need somebody to help yeah. me do this work and play out something fun. And I remembered, oh yeah, that's why we exist because it's exhausting going through this. And and so if we can bring a little bit of joy or just give people something to look forward to, that feels like yeah, a win. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to touch on too is as you've gone through this this journey, I know you mentioned your, your family members are entrepreneurs and you have that, but you also like Tori Birch fellow. I'm curious like how that came about and like what kind of community or advisors are helping you along the way here? Definitely. Um, I I think that Pack Up and Go sort of falls into a weird category where we, I, I did not go through an accelerator program. And a lot of people don't necessarily think of Pittsburgh as the startup capital <laughs> of the world. But when I was starting the company, um, I was actually reached out to by a couple of other travel startups in Pittsburgh who said, hey, we we get coffee every now and then and, and talk shop and we would love to invite you. So I've been really lucky that from the start, it feels like other small business owners and especially in the travel space, people have just sort of welcomed me in with open arms. Um, and just having that community is so, so helpful. But we don't really fall into the tech startup space because we haven't fundraised and I'm not doing, you know, all of those, you know, going that trajectory, which breeds a really tight knit community. So finding opportunities like the Tory Birch Foundation Fellowship uh, was really important because uh, it's hard to find high growth bootstrapped businesses. I realized a lot of media attention is given to um, high growth tech startups that are fundraising and that are, you know, that's where a lot of the media attention is. And so I didn't even realize until I was part of that that fellowship cohort that, oh, there's a lot of other businesses in other industries who are on the same journey as I am. And that was really reassuring to say, well, how do you guys think about this? Which free tools are you using? And being able to talk shop cross industry, I think has been the most valuable to me. So, um, so I'm still working on finding more of those communities and 
and making those connections. But it's really, I mean, it's cathartic because as, especially as a sole founder, it feels almost like you have no one to talk to about <laughs> your everyday right. issues. And, and, you know, you're absorbing a lot of stress from the company and thinking about all of, all of the strategy by yourself. So it's important to have an outlet and people to talk to. So really important. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a big reader. So I always have to ask any, any books, uh, personal or business that have been impactful for you. Definitely. Um, I cannot recommend the lean startup more. I know that's, you know, startup founder 101, but I really found it pivotal when I was starting pack up and go. And it was a really good reminder. Like things don't have to be fancy. They just have to work. Uh, and, and if you try to take too much time to make things perfect, you're just using that as an excuse to not get started. So, um, you know, a good example of that is actually going back to that traveler who was the first one to hold up the you're going to Washington, D.C. sign. When I started the company, I thought it was going to be an app. And I thought, great, we're not going to mail anything. And when travelers depart, they'll get a notification on their phone that'll say where they're going. <laughs> but I didn't have the money to build the app. So at the time, I thought, cool, I'll just print it out and mail it. And yeah. that's easier and that works for now. And that's become a cornerstone of the business unintentionally. Uh, so the Lean Startup, definitely recommend. Also, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, I think is really important for everybody to read. He has a TED Talk as well uh, that I highly recommend. But it's just important to think about why you do what you do um, and, and what you're actually trying to solve beyond just you know creating a profitable business and thinking about who your customer is and why you want to help them. And having that emotional connection to your business, I think really helps you get through times like I am dealing with right now. With <laughs> yes, it's such, such a difficult time. And and looking back, you, you start this company at 22 or 23 years old, you've booked 10,000 plus trips at this point now. For other entrepreneurs or other aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, from your experience, like what would you tell them or any advice you have for, for them? I would say... You know, there are always going to be factors out of your control. There's no question about it. Things aren't always going to go as planned. Some days are going to be, you know, better and easier than others. But the one thing that you can control is your relationship with your customers. And my whole team knows that I, you know, our first core value is to hold the traveler experience above all else. And I take that so seriously. And you know, especially as an e-commerce business, um, we we want to make sure our travelers know that there are people there. So I would say always build a customer-centric brand and be human. And remember that, you know, even though we are planning tons of trips all the time, for each traveler, their one vacation is their only experience with us. So how can we make that as special as possible? So I would say just building a customer-centric brand is the best thing that you can do. Lillian, I absolutely love what you're doing. I think Pack Up and Go is is great, and I know people are, are going to love it as it, it's going to continue to grow. Obviously, it's a tough time with COVID, um, but where can people go to learn more about the work you're doing and connect with you as well? Our website is packupgo.com, and on social media, we are packupgo underscore travel. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today, Lillian. Thanks so much for having me. It was great talking. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.